Does this mean it's over? Does this mean he likes me? Are butterflies good? Am I ever gonna meet someone? I'm tired of swiping. Am, Am I, I normal? normal? There's gotta be some magic to make relationships last. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my Date Lab articles in the Washington Post, then you know. This ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another delightful episode of Dates and Mates. Whoo, y'all, it has been a whirlwind of a week here as we celebrate the publishing of my first book, F the Fairy Tale, Rewrite the Dating Myths, and Live Your Own Love Story. I am just so humbled by the support for this book. But honestly, I am even more humbled by the responses to it. Just in talking to so many of you at the book events, people who've DM'd me, some of you said you couldn't put it down, that it's the book you didn't know you needed, that it's more than just a regular dating book. And I really wrote it with that intent and with you in mind. So thank you. Thank you for reading it. Thank you for posting your reviews on Amazon. And thank you for putting what I put on the page into practice. You can check out my Instagram stories to see all the adventures unfold. You can tag me on your own story about the book, and I will be sure to share it. And you can find out when I'll be doing a signing in a city near you at Demona Hoffman on Instagram. And uh, of course, if you don't have F the Fairy Tale, go to FTheFairyTaleBook.com. All right. Let's do a show now. <laughs> my guest today is here for two reasons. First and foremost is you will hear later, she is one of the main inspirations behind my new book. But also, she's here because it is her annual astrological forecast in life and love. That's right. We are welcoming back my friend, the fabulous Vedic astrologer, Carol Allen, today. But first, we have the dating dish this week, and it's right on time for the new year. Does your dating life need some decluttering. And then later in Dear Demona, I'll address this question. Help! My match wants to be exclusive immediately. <laughs> All right, grab your book, grab your pens, grab your pencils, grab a seat by the fire because it's time to dish. These dating dish. The New York Times tells us how to declutter your dating life. Did you know your dating life needed to be decluttered? Well, According to the New York Times and according to me, it probably does. So here are some examples that they outline of dating clutter. First, an outdated online profile. And they focus on the dating app, but I would consider kind of a lot of things to be part of your online profile. I'll talk about that more in a minute. Also, uh, matches that you keep messaging despite seeing no future. That's dating clutter. Being haunted by someone who ghosted you, that is dating clutter. They say that dating clutter is a result of app-driven dating culture because people are conditioned to swipe constantly. I would add also that we're conditioned to communicate constantly. I keep saying in interviews about the book that this is the thing that has shifted more than anything else since I started coaching singles 17 years ago. The speed at which we are dating, the the speed at which we feel the highs and lows of dating because the way that we communicate has completely changed in the last decade or two, that all contributes to this feeling of dating being so overwhelming and the dating burnout that I've talked about on the show and that I talk about in the book. 
that is all it's not just the app sure the app expanded our dating our dating pool but y'all we're messy we're messy we are cluttered up and it's the new year so i said last week that finding love is one of the top new year's resolutions but what is the top top new year's resolution <laughs> to be more organized and i'm also seeing a lot of new year's resolutions around clearing digital clutter and having a better relationship with technology, whether it be social media or your dating app. So what is the answer? Well, according to the New York Times, it's kind of similar to what I say in F the Fairy Tale. you got to consider what you really want. And this is where I always begin people in the dating process. Like you cannot fix the problem when you're in motion and you're in like phase three of the process. You got to start at the beginning. What do you really want? And you have to be willing also to take action on that goal, that relationship goal that you set for yourself. So if you want to be in a serious relationship in 2024, we may have to do things a little differently. We may have to approach online dating, offline dating, with a different mindset. And you certainly need to clear out the clutter so you can clear a path. I actually do talk about in F the Fairy Tale, feng shui and how feng shui helped me find my man. And I, some people, I just broke some people's brains when I said that. I, like, what? Feng shui helped you? Yes. Because feng shui is really about two things. One, it is about identifying what you want and then clearing the clutter to create a path for the chi, the energy, to reach you. And it's really the same in dating. You've got to start with clarity and then clear a path for that person to get to you. So here are some of the suggestions from this article in the New York Times. One, you got to set boundaries on the apps. I am wholly in agreement with what the experts in this article recommend. Use only two apps at a time. Okay, long-time dates and mates listeners. How many times have you heard me say this, okay? Two apps, maybe even one. Like if you're in burnout or you're in clutter or you're kind of like an anxious person that gets overwhelmed very easily, then start with one and master that and master your process around that before you start adding more. It's like juggling, right? One ball, really easy. Two balls, a little harder. Now we're juggling three balls and the balls are going every which way. Um, and don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> I know it's a dating and relationship show, but just want to clarify. Okay. So we're going to set boundaries on the apps. We're going to use two apps or less. Um, they say limit the number of matches you're communicating with at one time. I think that's kind of hard. But that's another reason why I say one or two apps. Because once you've matched with someone, like, don't be like a half-ass, wimpy, matcher, communicator person. I'm sure I could think of a better title for that. But you know what I'm saying. Because you've experienced it on the other side. If you match with someone and then they're like slow texting you. How annoying is that? That's wasting your time. So I just say, don't limit it. If you're feeling like a connection with someone, you don't necessarily need to limit the number of people you're talking to. Just 100% show up for each of the conversations that you're in. And if there's a conversation that feels like, oh, this is not a 100% conversation, just step out of it. Just step out of it. That's 
that is not the connection that you need to focus on. Because time is really of the essence. And the problem is that what happens when you have too many messages and you're talking to too many people is that you drop the ball. So dating, again, with the ball references, dating is like you're passing the ball back and forth, right? And then like that person starts to catch it more slowly or push it back more slowly or some of the balls then drop. And that doesn't make for a great experience for either one of you. You want to be in a volley situation. And so I want you to really do that mindfully. Another suggestion, which aligns with my personal dating coach beliefs, they say limit the amount of time spent on the apps daily. I'm going to take it a step further. Not just limit, set goals also. Because now, as I said, time is of the essence. So we we need to be on our apps daily. We need to be on the apps daily if you don't want to drop the ball on a potential good match. But we don't want to get sucked into the void because what does that do? It creates more clutter. So if you say, I'm going to just spend 10 or 15 minutes or whatever fits into your day on the apps and I'll spend X amount of time swiping or I'll swipe on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and then I'll log in to respond to messages the other days, that will actually help you. I know it sounds anal. It sounds like, it sounds really unromantic. But again, I'm trying to simplify this for you so that you can experience the magic. Because if you're in this chaos and clutter, when you show up to the date, I mean, what are they going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? The last suggestion, again, something my longtime listeners have heard many times on the show, they suggest moving offline as quickly as possible. Um, This is just like a duh. (laughs) You can end up in that endless text thread. But until you get into the real world, you don't, you're not going to know if this is real or not. So get organized, y'all. Look, I will make this really easy for you to get organized. I have a free date tracker that will just help you start to track what's happening on your dates. You go to DemonaHoffman.com slash date tracker, free, no strings attached. It's just to help you to start to think about dating a little bit more strategically and really identify what's happening on those dates. Because when you start to track what's happening, then you can see how the choices that you're making lead to different outcomes. But we have to start with a fresh profile. I also have that profile starter kit on my website. You know, Refresh the profile, only be on one app, maybe add two if you, you start getting really good at it, at it or you're not so overwhelmed with messages. And then number three, clear out the clutter. Like unmatch the people you're not talking to anymore. Close the loop. Some of you heard me say that before. Close the loop on the conversations that you're not intending to invest in and really try to be present with the people that you are in conversation, communication, relationship with. There's more. There's so much more but you can go ahead and read the article for yourself at the New York Times. We will put the link in the show notes. When we come back, 
we're going to look into the future. <laughs> we'll be joined by my good friend, my mentor, my love is in the stars guide, Vedic astrologer, Carol Allen. Welcome back. Carol Allen is a Vedic astrologer, relationship coach, and the author of Love is in the Stars, The Wise Woman's Astrological Guide to Men. She's also a dear friend and someone who inspired my book to be brought into the world. Please help me give big smooches to the one and only Carol Allen. Hi, it's Amona. It's so amazing to be here. I've been so busy. I don't know what I've been doing. I've just been reading and reading and rereading and highlighting. And Congratulations. Thank you. I have to tell everybody, not only did you participate in the F the Fairy Tale Forum, which was really fun, stellar, like exceeded my expectations. You were incredible on the panel. Thank you. But y'all, this book, I, I know I've said this and you defer it all the time, Carol. So don't do it right now. This book would not exist. F the fairy tale would not exist if it wasn't for Carol Allen, who you are about to hear from right now. Crazy. She kicked me in the ass and she was like, I mean, we were hiking. So I was already being kicked in the ass and she was like, why are you not writing a book? Do this right now. I'll see you in a month and have your book proposal done. And I was like, okay. Cause I'd been thinking about it for a long time. I don't know. Maybe you knew something astrologically that I did not know. <laughs> I don't know. Just that you're like a total baller and OG, you had just gotten the Drew show and it just seemed like you were at a place where it was just a perfect time to share your message in a bigger way. I'm grateful for it. Truly grateful. And you are so wise, Carol. I think this is maybe your fourth or fifth time on this podcast. I think it's my podcast. fifth. Yeah, it's cr amazing. I'm so grateful. I mean... Well, I keep having you back because you are truly a fan favorite. Oh, And wow. I get... Seriously, I get so many messages, even on the forum. Aww. People are like, wait, how do I get in touch with Carol? How do Aww. I get her right man report? How do I get her personal success <laughs> calendar? I'm like, all right. And the, the, now it's the Carol Allen show. But I'm happy to do that for you because I know the value in the information that you share. I will admit, I've been woo-woo for a while, if we can say it's woo-woo. I mean, it's it's ancient and scientific, and it's also woo-woo in our, our culture, can you just give us first an overview of the different kinds of astrology? Because, I, I, you know, I introduced you as a Vedic astrologer and people may not be familiar with what that is. Right. So can you explain that? And then, you know, most people, I think, in the West are familiar with Western astrology. So let's just go with those two. Well, it, it is amazing that in ancient times, pretty much all great civilizations had their own system. So I will stick with these two, but there's Celtic and Mayan and Hebrew and Nepalese and Chinese. And, you know, I mean, it goes on and on and on Persian. And uh, so Western astrology over the ages has kind of become a melting pot of a few different systems. So, uh, so the Romans, the Greeks, the Babylonians, uh, the Egyptians, the Persians, Western astrology is sort of a, a mix of those. And then Alexander the Great went pillaging into India and left a bunch of Greeks behind and brought Vedic astrology back to Greece. And 
And this is all known, like this is all documented. And so the very first zodiac in all of the systems is the Vedic one. It's first found in the Vedas, which is why the, it's called Vedic. The word Veda means truth or knowledge. And these are uh, a series of ancient writings that are thousands of years old and cover six branches of knowledge, including Ayurveda, which is the system of medicine of ancient India. Uh, and so they originally had a 27 sign zodiac. And it's, it's a lunar zodiac. And it's thought that every night the moon uh, spends the night with one of his lunar wives, right? That each of the constellation... Ooh. Are the, the moon's got a side chick? Are the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so this 27 sign zodiac is just astonishing. And along the way, because again, it was a giant game of telephone back in the day, uh, the Vedic system did integrate the 12 Greek signs. And we do look to the what the sun is doing, of course, and because the sun is very important. And uh, and we look to the, the 12 sun signs as well. And so, you know, we'll say like, oh, you're a Rohini sun, but you're, you're, you know, you're also a Taurus sun or, but there's, there's essentially 27. So there's two and a half in each of the 12 signs. And it's just a whole way deeper level. And it's how we look to compatibility, actually, as we look to these 27 signs. That's what I was going to ask. How does that? Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. You were going to say, well, there's another huge difference actually between the Vedic system and the Western. And it's the one that makes everybody go like, wait, what? Uh, and it's the fact that we calculate differently. Uh, and so most people end up being a different sun sign than the sign they've always thought. And it actually shifts the whole chart by 24 degrees, which is almost an entire sign. Because astrology began through astronomers, you know, observing the motions of the planets and the stars, and then corresponding that to agriculture. Astrology really began because of agriculture, because they needed to know when to plant or when to harvest or when to till the soil or all that stuff. And so you would look to the the constellations above to help you determine, you know, the calendar basically. So when we're talking about compatibility. Yes. I, I do feel like we kind of get hung up on like, this is my sign. Hey baby, what's your sign? But you were saying that there's a lot more to it when we're looking at compatibility. Um, and be careful because a lot of people will have like a bad experience with somebody of a certain sign. And then they assume that, you know, everybody of that sign is going to be like that person. Girl, we do that in a lot of ways. And I hope my listeners are picking up what you're putting down. Am I right? <laughs> be like, oh, I can never date somebody who is from this country or it lives here or went to the school or like I had a client that was like, no more Michaels. I can't. Her ex-husband was named Michael. She was like, I just, I, I was like, I found this guy for you online. She was like, oh no, his name's Michael. I can't. Ah! <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not joking. She would not even look at his profile because she was like, no, I can't do I'm done with Michaels. Two exes. I talk to people all day long too, Demona. I know how nuts we all are. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk, talk about compatibility specifically. A little birdie told me. Yes. That you have my chart. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and my husband's chart. Yes. Okay. So 
So I am so excited to do this for you because first of all, no surprise, you guys have amazing charts. I mean, like, wow, Demona, you have something so rare and special. You have something that is considered a really big deal. And I'm going to get a little serious for a moment. I know I'm goofy. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get okay. a little serious. You Thank you have you. something okay. called a Maha Purusha Yoga. This means like a great personality combination. There's five possible. You have the most auspicious of the five. It's called Hamsa Yoga. And it, it, it indicates a very advanced soul. And it indicates that you really are a great teacher and that you have very high knowledge and high consciousness and that you're really here to be a helper to the world. So much so I wrote a book about it. Oh my gosh. I did not know that. Doing God's work, right? But it's literally believed that to have this, you have to have lived 10,000 lifetimes in the service of God. Like you have to have scrubbed a lot of temples and ashrams. You cleaned a lot of toilets and a lot of monasteries, right? And uh, it's it's just really, really beautiful. And, and it also benefits you a great deal because it's the planet Jupiter and the planet Jupiter is the planet of abundance. You have it in its most powerful sign in the rising sign, which is the foundation of the whole chart and the whole life. And it smiles on the life. And it's the planet of truth and wisdom and counseling and teaching. And you have it in its favorite sign and you have it retrograde, which makes it stronger. And I got so excited when I saw this. Now, I also had to laugh because you have the moon in the sign of Libra. And the moon is the indicator of what we're emotionally interested in, like what we're drawn to. And Libra is the natural sign of OG partnership. I had a feeling you were going to say that. (laughs) And you have the moon with Venus. And Venus is the planet of love and romance and women. And I know like me, you mostly work with women. And to have the moon and Venus together is just so beautiful for helping people with the topic of love. And it's why you want to, and it's why you're good at it. Now, it also is retrograde, which means it also was closer to the earth when you were born. So the energy of Venus and the energy of Jupiter are extra strong in you, giving you extra gifts and abilities around what they are about. So I just had to laugh when I saw this. Now, what's interesting is you share in your book, and I already gave you a, a little a little guff about this in your, uh, in your panel that you had me on that was so much fun for your book launch, that you share that you were basically like kind of dateless and mateless <laughs> as a young person, right? That you would go out with yeah. all your friends and they would have boyfriends and they'd I was get the all the- per- I was the purse hook. <laughs> I That was my job. You're like I standing wish there I was holding everyone's purse. I was- I was the purse holder. Yep. <laughs> While they're like making out with boys and like the back. Yep. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Can Demona, can you hold this for me? That is so sure. horrible. That is so sad. Well, you know, it's it was a different time. It was a different time. I I, I want to hear what you say. I have to say, and then I will respond. 
Well, here's what's so interesting about that is when Venus, okay, Venus is the planet of love and Jupiter's the planet of marriage and husbands. And when they are retrograde, it makes those things come later for you than for your peers. It makes those things come more slowly. And so this is why you were a little bit of a late bloomer in love. I mean, not terrible. You weren't like not terrible. 50 or anything. But, uh, you know, how old were you when you got married? I, I Okay. So here's the deal. I was actually 28 when I got married. Oh, Actually, it's the um, okay. current average age of marriage in America. So I'm just basically, I'm just like an average basic bitch. Ah. But I will say I didn't have a lot of relationships before him. I did date around a little bit, uh-huh. but I, I was never the relationship girl. But I will say when I met him, it was just like, oh, this is it. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I knew the minute I, you've read the book. So, you know, it wasn't the minute I met him. But within a few months, I was like, this is this is a completely different experience. So my favorite, favorite thing about being a Vedic astrologer is the, the tools and techniques we have for relationships. They're absolutely astonishing. And there is this 15-step compatibility technique that we do that they still use overwhelmingly in India to arrange marriages. Ooh. And it never fails. It never, it is so ridiculously accurate and so specific about how two people will feel and get along. And you guys are golden. Okay. You guys have like all 15 things going ding, 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 ding. Yes. Oh and you have a high, what's called wavelength score, which makes you have a lot of easy agreement and it makes you want the same things at the same time. And you have all these beautiful effortless, like you have the same sensibility, you have the highest score for like intellectual connection. That's why, that's why I fell for him, girl. You're both really in love with each other's minds. Like you're really intellectually stimulated, both of you. And, you know, I have to say, it's so funny. Uh, I was talking with uh, a famous love guy, love coach guy, and he made a joke that I fell for my husband because he's hot, because my husband's very handsome. And I said, oh, really no, 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 no. I dated a guy that looked like Brad Pitt. I dated a guy that looked, I dated, I was superficial. I'll, I'll admit it. I dated guys that looked like movie stars. My husband had the hottest brain I could find. He had the, mm. he had the best mind, like his, his thought processes, the weight, his quips, his insight. I just was blown away. And uh, it's so important to like your partner's brain. Well, and especially for long-term relationships, like I I say a lot that we want to be driven by curiosity. Mm. And that was the thing that I knew. But I mean, that even just at the end of the first date, I was like, wow, this is the smartest guy I've ever met. Wow. Still is. is. Wow. And I am just so curious about how his brain works. And I'm still curious. Like I'll, I will just want to hear his thoughts on the world. Like I would just like sit in a symposium and be like, Seth, just like, tell me, tell me interesting things about the world. <laughs> you know? That's and so that's, great. That's, we've been together 20 years now. Like that's what, that's what fuels. I mean, and you've been with your husband for how long now? 
Oh my gosh, we met in 1990 and we've been, yeah, so 33 years I've known him and 26 we've been married, so. And that's what everyone listening wants, Carol. I know. Give them the goods. I know. Give them the goods. So looking ahead to 2024, because there's a lot of people like, look, it's the beginning of the month. A lot of people are like, new year, new love. I got my F the fairy tale copy. I've been reading it. I know what Demona says, but. Can Carol help me? Can Carol help me to understand, like, is this my year for love? Are there windows? Are there times? Is it for everyone the same? Or is it does it depend on what our chart says? Okay. Well, one of the things that's really interesting at a new year is you look at the, you know, you look at the chart of the year. And so, you know, we're in the US, and I would imagine a lot of your listeners are in the US. And the US, of course has a big influence on the world for good and maybe not always so good. Uh, and so I looked at, you know, the chart of the year for the U.S. as well. Uh, I also do a little numerology. So in numerology, we're entering an eight year and eight is the number of abundance. Whoop, whoop. But it's also the number associated with the planet Saturn. And Saturn is the planet of hard work. And a lot of people are feeling like, oh, my God, the things I've been doing aren't working as well. And systems are falling away and changes in the air and you know, we're still recovering from the pandemic and the planet Saturn has been in its two most powerful intense signs since January of 2020, just as everything started up. Right. And uh, and so all of next year or all of this year, rather, Saturn is in the sign of Aquarius, which is very much about, you know, be patient, do things the right way correct and fix whatever isn't working, or you're going to get spanked more than usual. Okay. So, so it's a really good year for all of us to really reevaluate, you know, what am I doing and is it working? And what I love about your book, Demona, and I know I'm goofy and playful about your book, but I'm serious. What I love about your book is your book gives very, very practical strategic advice and then calls on a lot of data from science and academics and the real world about what works. And, you know, when you are looking for love or when you're wanting a partner, you want it to be romantic. You want it to be like magical. Even I'm in the world of, you know, magic and spirituality and the transcendent and putting on a black dress and going to happy hour at a really nice hotel or restaurant is probably going to give you more opportunity than staying home and praying and chanting, right? So, Yeah, but so, make it a red dress. Make it a red dress. Okay. <laughs> Love it. Yes, absolutely. Right? <laughs> then they know you mean business. Yes. Okay. And so the dates to especially do that... <laughs> So the planet of love and romance is Venus. And when Venus is in signs where it's happiest, this is when it's really helpful to be socializing and, you know, on the apps and making more effort. And so Venus will be in its most powerful sign where it's what's called exalted almost the entire month of April. So I had okay. to mention that. Okay. Uh, then mid May to mid-June, it'll be in one of its other favorite signs in the sign of Taurus, 
where it will join Jupiter, the planet of abundance. So mid-May to mid-June is also quite beautiful. And then uh, in when it's in Libra, where it is in your chart, hey, hey, yeah. uh, you'll be in your Venus return uh, mid-September to mid-October. So those are like my three favorite, you know, indulgent times, times to go on trips, times to you know, really flirt out in the world, make that effort, especially if Venus comes along to your own sun sign, moon sign, rising sign, or your own Venus in your chart, which it does for you. But um, tell Seth to take you, you know, somewhere really special, especially mid-September to mid-October. Now, now Mercury retrograde is when... Uh Anyone new you meet tends to not stick. And when unfinished business from the past comes back. So this is when we always hear from like that old crush or that old partner, or that old person that ghosted and now they're back for more, right? Mm-mm. So so, uh, so I always caution my clients when they're especially online. I'm like, hey, when Mercury's in retrograde, maybe pause. Because it can be really exhausting, right, to keep like trying and meeting people and messaging people. And you want to do it when it's going to go smoothly, when you're in alignment with the forces of nature, right? Sure. And communication, right? Yes. Well, and it's technology. Yeah. It's communication. It's technology. And you know what? I'm just going to double check something because I'm like, hold up. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Mercury's retrograde at the same time. Gosh darn it. It is. Okay, that's so unfair. Mercury's retrograde at the same time Venus is exalted. So if somebody does come back, so this is April 1st to April 24th, and Venus is exalted April 1st to April 25th. So if somebody does come back, maybe it's going to be good, right? And if you want to take your relationship to the next level, you actually really can. If you are dating though, you want to be, you still want to be careful because uh, Mercury retrograde is just when people like, people can come forward and then spin off. Now mm-hmm. for couples, when Mercury's retrograde, this is when people often say the thing they've been holding back from saying, holding back from saying, holding back from saying, and then they blow up. So it's very common for people to fight when Mercury's in retrograde or for for people to have realizations that can be very sort of destabilizing to relationships because of what you just said, it's communication. And so this is when things that need to be communicated tend to come out. It's also when people find out things they need to know. So it's often when people discover something going on that they didn't realize that affects a relationship for whatever, in whatever way. Um, So April, there's the the next one. Uh, We just had one in December. Okay. August, almost the whole month of August, Mercury's retrograde again. And then uh, in late November, right before your birthday, uh, until mid-December, Mercury will be retrograde again. So the only Venus time it's messing up is the is the is the exalted one. Sorry, <laughs> man. It's a, she giveth and she taketh away. I know. You know, astrology. Let me tell you. Welcome to my world. Welcome to my hell. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Now eclipses are also very intense and very Uh sensitive. And I have to mention there's very intense eclipses at the end of March and the beginning of April, uh, March 24th, 25th, we have a partial lunar eclipse, but April 8th, there's a total solar eclipse. And eclipses tend to be very, again, sort of destabilizing, uh, you know, if you think about it, the, the sun and the moon are the lights of the sky and it's the blocking of the light. And symbolically, of course, it's the blocking of the light. So eclipses always are a little bit like, um, so anyway, if you meet somebody on, uh, April 8th, (laughs) run, run away. No, not necessarily. You know, what's very interesting is eclipses. They're such powerful openings in, you know, the veil or the field. I I mean, I can't really explain it, but they can actually bring a lot of good individually. It's just collectively, Mm -hmm. they tend to bring drama, but individually, these can be very powerful times and there can be tremendous spiritual growth for people around eclipses. It's very much recommended to do spiritual practices around eclipses. Yeah. We should also mention Jupiter retrograde because it's the planet of marriage and husbands. And, you know, I'm probably going to upset somebody listening. So forgive me, but it's not recommended to marry when Jupiter is retrograde. So if anyone's planning a wedding, uh, try to do it before, and it's going to be in 2024, try to do it before October 8th. Now, your show is on dating more than mating. Well, it's both, right? So Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's dating more than mating. Okay. Okay. So, maybe, you know, maybe people getting married aren't listening. But if you are, try to get married before October 8th because Jupiter goes retrograde and things begun under a Jupiter retrograde tend to take more effort, be more challenging, cost more money, require more, you know, than we expect and uh and so it's just, it's, it's considered not auspicious for things like abundance and happiness in marriage. Ah, and that's October 8th to February 4th. But I don't think relationships have to be forever to count, right? I think. That's what I was going to say. I feel like every relationship we can, we can learn from and it's like part of our evolution. Well, and what I love about being an astrologer, Demona, so much is I have stopped judging anybody about anything because everybody's being exactly who they are wired to be and living out the life that is theirs to live. And a lot of us are not here to have one partner forever. A lot of people's charts are, you know, more experiential, more cyclical and and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Mm-hmm. What what I want everyone to do and what I love about being an astrologer is it helps people accept themselves more and it helps people make more peace with where they are in their lives. And uh, yeah, but back to 2024, um, it is a turbulent time in the world. Many, many countries, the US, the EU, the UK, and now Israel, as of a year ago, are in what are called Rahu periods. And the planet, the planet Rahu is not actually a planet, it's an eclipse point. And these are long 18 year periods where really Rahu's all about the breaking down of norms and structures and 
so that something else can emerge, right? And I actually think next year is going to be a very powerful, positive year. What I love is Jupiter's moving into Taurus, May 1st. And Jupiter's the planet of, like I said, abundance, healing, expansion. And it's ruled by Venus. And it's it's one of the relationship signs. So I think the second half of the year, everybody should be extra motivated to be dating and mating. So... All right. Well, they heard it here first on Dates and Mates. I know you're not going to leave people hanging, Carol, because every year, which I love, you offer, you have these personal success calendars. And no joke, Carol, I literally every year in January, I get my personal success calendar from Carol Allen and it's so cool. It maps out each day and like which days are good communication days, which days are good money days, which days are challenging days. I love for the little, you, for you. I love the little dinosaur, you know, like a really cute, um, a really cute legend. I love that I got to use the word legend in an episode, but you make it really easy to just at a glance, see what's going on for that month. So if you're thinking about planning a trip, going on a date, making a change in your job, like moving any of these things, I literally will pull out my calendar and be like, what's Carol say about it? Uh, (laughs) What's Carol say about it? And it's such an amazing resource that you can do that for anybody that anybody can like plug in their birth date, their birth time, their birthplace. And this report will generate what the year ahead looks like for them. So I love that you gave everybody an overview kind of generally of those times of the year, the spring and, and the fall being good for love. Um, but not for marriage after October 8th, I was taking notes. Don't worry. But, (laughs) but like you said earlier, also, it's it's there's the the collective and then there's the individual right and that's what I love about these calendars that they help you really dive down into the individual for you because I know that everybody listening was like this is all lovely this is all lovely Carol Allen and Demona but what about me <laughs> give me a calendar well yeah oh my gosh you're so cute well you know what's amazing is we're all living in celestial weather all the time. And it doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. It's like, it doesn't matter if you believe in gravity or not. If you trip, you're going to fall, right? And so so you can see why people have ups and downs and rise and fall and why money gets better or worse and love gets better or worse and health gets better or worse day to day. And so I started making these little hanging wall calendars with stickers for clients years ago. And it got so I was up till three in the morning every night sticking stickers on wall calendars. So I got uh, I got a colleague to help me program them. And uh, and it's just it's just been like the best idea I've ever had. And it's so sweet. People like you use them year after year after year. And it really is just a planning tool to, to it's sort of like you know, an almanac just for you using your whole chart, your sun, your moon, your rising sign. So it's not like every Aquarius or every Aries has the same one for the year. Mm -hmm. It's just for you. And it uses all the influences. So best days for love, best days for travel, uh, and then days to like, take it easy and watch out. Thank you so much for joining me, Carol. Y'all follow Carol on Instagram. She does amazing videos about like celebrity astrology and what's happening in the current sky and 
you just got to check her out on Instagram at Carol Allen Astrologer. That's C-A-R-O-L-A-L-L-E-N Astrologer. And definitely put in an order for your personal success calendar right now. It's at DemonaHoffman.com slash my calendar. I have Carol every year. And every year, my Dates and Mates listeners like love this episode, love these calendars. I get so many emails about them, like hundreds of people get these calendars. And the cool thing about it is that it is personalized for you, for your specific birth date, birth time, birthplace, your astrology for the year ahead. I literally get mine every January and I live my life by this calendar, y'all. So uh, let's do it together. Let's follow along in the calendar together. But you get your calendar. I'll get my calendar. Go to DemonaHoffman.com slash my calendar and the link will be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer this listener question. How do I handle matches that want to be exclusive right away? Hmm. Stick around. We are back and we are here with your favorite segment. Dear Demona. Demona, help me. This one comes to us in a text from a listener named Paula. She says, Dear Demona, how do I handle situations where potential dates want to be exclusive right away? Sometimes they bring it up before we have even met in person. I always respond that I would like to get to know them better before making such an important decision. I thought I was being reasonable, but most of the time they do not take that very well. Am I handling this wrong or are the kind of people who want to be exclusive right away the same people who can't handle the rejection of me saying no? Paula, I'm going to level with you. And anyone else listening who has had this experience happen to them, and I know it's a lot of you. A lot of those people, I, it breaks my heart to tell you this, a lot of those people are catfish. They're catfish, they're scam artists, they're liars, they're cheaters, they're not your person. Because here's how I know. Is there such a thing as love at first sight, Paula, and everyone? No. <laughs> There's lust at first sight. And maybe they do feel some sort of connection for you, but like no one is going to ask for exclusivity without having met you unless they are manipulating you for some reason. A lot of times that reason is money. Sometimes it's just an emotional play. But if they get you to say, I'm exclusive. I am connected to you. I am on the hook. That gives them the green light to do whatever it is that we're going to do. So I'm glad that you responded in that way. Yes, it is an important decision. No, you could not be exclusive with someone that you haven't even met because you don't even know if this is real or not. And you cannot be responsible for the way that they respond to you being truthful. And this goes for anybody in any situation where you speak your truth and the other person cannot handle it. That is not your job. Your job is not to handle or take care of their emotions. Your job is to communicate authentically and empathetically. What they do with it, that's on them. And I, I, I've gotten this question in a different form from people that are like, I like to close the loop. I said... I wasn't interested and this person like called me a bitch and and threatened me or, you know, said really hurtful and mean things. No, thank you. No, thank you. Thank and release. That is your stuff. You can hang on to that. I'm going to end this chat. <laughs> 
and return that emotion to sender. So what they are trying to do, assuming this is like a catfish situation, what they are trying to do is to elicit an emotional response out of you. If then they insult you or they make you feel bad or they earn your sympathy, they might be able to turn the situation around. It is another manipulative ploy, but you're smarter than that. You're not going to fall for it. Certainly not before and definitely not now. But what I want to instill in you, Paula, is this sense of knowing knowing that now you have the tools, now you have the understanding, and it doesn't mean that that's all that is out there. It just means that now you have the clarity to understand when someone is manipulating you, and you you don't need my permission. You definitely don't need my permission for any of this, but you have my permission to be able to cut those connections quicker when you realize that they are not aligned with you for whatever reason, whether they are a catfish or just a um, difficult, manipulative, unhealthy person for you to be in conversation with. So the person is out there. Now you know how to spot them. Go clear, clear the clutter, clear the clutter so you can clear the path for uh, a person that is going to communicate with you in a more authentic way and give you the time and the space to make these very important decisions in your time and in your way. I hope you enjoyed episode 490 of Dates and Mates. And if you have a question, the DMs are open. We have Dear Demona back every week. And we also have some Dear Demona episodes coming up for you. So hit me up with your questions. There's no question too big, too small, too personal, too silly. They're all valid here. And I want to help each and every one of you. You can DM me at Demona Hoffman on TikTok, X, Facebook, and Instagram. Instagram's kind of my favorite because then you can send me the voice memo too. But I'm also analog. You can call me or text me at 424-246-6255. We'll be back again next Tuesday with speaker, best-selling author, and host of The Rainy Howard Show. Rainy Howard. She's going to talk about building emotional safety and creating boundaries in the new year. In the meantime, don't forget to pick up your copy of F the Fairy Tale. It is out now in audiobook, ebook, and of course in hardcover wherever books are sold. Go to fthefairytalebook.com. That's the letter F T H E fairytalebook.com. The links will be in the show notes. And until next week, I wish you happy dating. <laughs>